0: Welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Hi, and welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where your hosts Mackenzie and Micah. And today we're going to talk about uh, an unusual topic that will be touched on farther along in the book, but we're going to start a little odd with um, recording of ministers or ordination is a similar thing that you find in other Christian denominations. Um Commonly, we said that Quakers don't have ministers, and then on the other hand, sometimes we'll say, "Well, we're all ministers," and so how do those things work out?
1: Yeah, I, I think in in most Christian groups, uh, if you were to say to someone, "Oh, I'm a minister," um, they would immediately assume, "Oh, so you're the pastor of a church. You're you're on staff with a church, and you you lead you lead a church as a pastor." Um, and in the quaker in the Quaker tradition that's that's not necessarily ha- what it means to be a minister um, and so I think we've got a lot to talk about in terms of the difference between um the difference between ordination of ministers in different traditions and especially in the Quaker tradition because uh, as usual if, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while uh, this is this is a theme as usual, Quakers do things a little bit differently
0: yeah, a lot of bit differently actually. <laughs>
1: Um, sort of depends on depends on where you're at in the Quaker world how different it is.
0: Yeah. Okay. At very least, we use funny words like recording. Yes. Um, so the, I guess I'll start with the general idea with saying recording instead of ordination is. Well, could
1: could, actually, could you first could you first tell us what like do you have a sense of what ordination means in other denominations because like that is the more popular oh, right terminology. Okay.
0: Um. So. I don't. Know entirely what happens in Protestant denominations, but it you know for Catholics um, ordination is actually one of the sacraments that um, you can have, and uh, well, if you're a guy, um, and so that's what makes you a priest for Catholics, um, and like there's there's a whole ceremony and laying on of hands, and um, you have to do a whole bunch of schooling beforehand because you have to go to seminary. Um, you know it being a priest is seen as a vocation and um it would be a thing that you would do as your full time job um, there's no I don't think there's any such thing as a bivocational Catholic priest although of course there are monks who um they you live in religious community they uh work their their gardening or whatever to ha- to support the community as a whole um and would not be expected to uh, give a mass every day like a parish priest would but
1: and there and there is there is a tradition of the diaconate right where you've got deacons yes, who de- are who, deacons. who are all who, who are always bivocational right
0: i think they are yeah um and the deacons can do i think the deacons can do some sacraments but not all of them um i'm pretty sure the deacons cannot do the eucharist like they can they can distribute it but i don't think they can do the transubstantiation part right also, when I was in eighth grade and getting confirmed as a Catholic, spelling counted on transubstantiation.
1: <laughs> so, um, for Quakers, I know that, that historically, uh, a, a reason, so we've got funny terminology in most Christian denominations um just uh, just as with the Catholic tradition or the Eastern Orthodox tradition, most Christian denominations in the Protestant tradition will talk about ordination, as in uh, a, a person is ordained by God to the ministry. Um, Quakers have traditionally eschewed this terminology because uh, the idea was that um, human beings couldn't ordain someone to the ministry, that actually ordination is something done by God. And so the role of the human community, of the church, was to record or to acknowledge uh, the call to ministry or the effective ministry of a person with that gift. So um, it's sort of, you know, as with a lot of Quaker things, because Quakers are very Puritan in their in their outlook, um, with a lot of Quaker things, it's sort of a hair-splitting thing. But the origin of this idea of recording is that, well, we don't, we don't, ordain gifts, that's what God does, but we record them when we see them. And mm-hmm. so it's sort, of, it's, it's, it's sort of the idea that um, we are exper- experientially or experimentally um, noticing how God is acting in the community and in the lives of individuals in that community, and recording those gifts that God has given based on that observation and based on that prayerful discernment.
0: Right, so we're, we're taking notes for God.
1: Basically or or realistically we 're taking notes for ourselves because of course, God knows what God well, is up yeah, to that 's true but we as we as a community need to figure out what God is up to, and it helps us to acknowledge these gifts so that and the idea behind recording of gifts uh, is so that those gifts can be properly supported and held accountable
0: right and um, and actually, I think so one thing that I learned um, when I visited some conservative friends in Ohio, when I went to Stillwater uh, meeting, which is they have a huge meeting house um, in a in one of the old traditional meeting houses they 've got uh what in the liberal branch we call the facing benches, but apparently they call it the minister 's gallery and um,
1: <laughs> that's the first time i've heard of it <laughs>
0: uh, okay that's that's what Bill Rushby called it um, Interesting. <laughs> but uh there's this oddly shaped ceiling over top of the minister's gallery, and I know at Friends Meeting of Washington down in downtown D.C., they also have the oddly shaped ceiling, and that's a sounding board. And so whoever is sitting on the benches right underneath the oddly shaped piece of ceiling, anything they say is really loud all throughout the room. Mm -hmm. And so since one of the things that gets you recorded as a minister and therefore sitting in that section in the conservative branch, because Friends Meeting of Washington doesn't have special seating anymore... Um, but one of the things that gets you recorded and put there is that you speak frequently and well, right? And so if if you put the people who are statistically most likely to speak during meeting into the place where they're going to be heard the best, well, in an era before microphones, this makes a lot of sense.
1: Right. And um, yeah, those, those ceilings are really interesting because they're these curved ceilings that, that project the voice from the gallery, um out into the rest of the congregation. And traditionally, um it, and by traditionally I mean in the uh seventeenth and or I'm sorry, in, in the eighteenth and nineteenth centuries, mm-hmm. um traditionally um Quaker ministers and elders would sit there and the elders would sit behind the ministers. Behind. Presi- I thought
0: that was in the front. I thought those the ministers were on level with everybody else, but I thought they were at the bottom step.
1: Right, yeah, the, the elders sat above, behind the ministers, and oh. the ministers sat below them. At least, at least in Ohio, yearly meeting. This is what I was told uh, from friends in Ohio yearly meeting. Okay,
0: that, um, probably you know, varies.
1: <laughs> and what I've observed in Ohio yearly meeting, when they, you know, in Ohio mm-hmm. yearly meeting, they still do, they still practice this to some extent, especially when they have the numbers to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, the elders sit behind. I think the idea ideas. Uh, <laughs> I think sort of symbolically, at least, the idea is that an elder behind a minister could tap on the minister's shoulder if they were going a little bit too long.
0: Oh, see, I had heard that the ministers were were sitting below the or sorry the elders were sitting below the ministers so that they were then supporting like vis- visually supporting the ministry so i don't know whatever direction it goes mm-hmm. but um i mean yesterday i was at a meeting with ohio friends and the the gallery had uh like six recorded ministers i think up there and then there was one elder sitting up there and he sat in the front slash bottom row but
1: okay interesting so there there are lots of funny little rules and traditions about how ministers and elders operate and how they're handled mm-hmm. um, but i think I think our main focus is the idea of how do you what does it mean in the French tradition to uh, acknowledge or record or to use, or to use the language of other churches to ordain although Quakers don't use that language traditionally but but in some cases it's sort of equivalent to ordain. People to ministry. Uh, what does that look like, and what's the purpose of that? And for me, this is a real question because uh, you know my own ministry is very um, non-institutional. I'm, I'm part of I'm part of sort of a scattered network of Quakers and the Friends of Jesus Fellowship, and I participate in a Brethren Church where I preach regularly, but I'm not I'm not on staff, and I'm not even a member of the church. And so, what does it mean? What's the purpose of recording a gift of ministry?
0: Well. So one thing with, um, historically you, well, no, actually, no, still. Okay. So, so when somebody is recorded, then, you know, that's actually like written down on paper. And, um, I know that when you travel, you can show the paper and um, be acknowledged as at the meeting you're visiting as being minister. Um, and I know that historically, like that was a really big deal. Um, and, a meeting could actually recall a minister and say, uh, hang on, this person has gone outside the bounds, we're bringing them home. Don't acknowledge them anymore, which... You know, was a thing during those schisms we talked about.
1: So something that's really interesting uh, for me in my experience is that I actually I, I've never been I've never been formally recorded by a meeting or a yearly meeting as a minister, but I actually did for several years operate under a, sort of a standing travel minute where um, Great Plains Yearly Meeting the, that, the Great Plains Yearly Meeting was the first meeting I was a part of, and after that I did the same thing in Ohio Yearly Meeting. I had a both both in Great Plains Yearly Meeting. Uh, and in an Ohio yearly meeting, uh, I had standing travel minutes. Um, in Great Plains yearly meeting, I'll use them as an example because it actually involved the entire yearly meeting. Um, in Great Plains yearly meeting, I had uh, a minute from my local meeting, and then that was further endorsed and seconded by uh, the yearly meeting. And the yearly meeting gave me a minute that basically said, hey, here's Micah, Mike is a pretty cool guy. He's got these concerns, and and he he you know he's basically he's got a concern for gospel ministry, which means he's going to go around and he's going to preach the word of God as best he knows how, and he's going to be of support to friends wherever he finds them. And we encourage you to welcome him and to support him. Um, and I actually took that travel minute and visited many other meetings, both within Great Plains yearly meeting, but also beyond it. And each time I went and visited one of those meetings. I uh I asked the clerk, with the clerk is sort of uh the, the administrative leader, uh the 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 head discerner uh of the meeting. Um I asked the clerk to endorse my my minute, which basically meant they would write they would write a little message back, you know, a small letter back to my yearly meeting saying uh it was great to receive Micah, or alternatively it was terrible to receive Micah, he was a real jerk, you should not let him be roaming around among friends. Um, and they, you know, they would sign that and I would... Anyone
0: ever write that second one?
1: (laughs) No, I, I never, I never got any negative feedback, thank goodness. Um, but, but theoretically that could happen. Um, and you know, it's, it's sort of like a passport in that when I showed up, when I showed up at a meeting or at a gathering, I would hand it off to the clerk and they would remain in possession of it until the end of the, until the end of the, uh, the, the event or, or my time there. And so, um... In theory, uh, if I were behaving in a very disorderly way and causing disruption, they could let my yearly mean know about that, and I was accountable in that way. Um, okay. And so, so I, wasn't, I wasn't actually – I wasn't formally recorded, um, mm-hmm. but, but in effect, I had that kind of accountability, which again brings up the question for me, what's the purpose of recording a gift when that accountability seems to be, seems to be possible without you know, a formal ordination process?
0: Right, and I mean, I know. I, I think what you've experienced is uh, pretty common in some yearly meetings. Like I know in my yearly meeting, uh, they changed the name from recorded minister to embraced friend or uh, embraced ministry, and uh, we've only got one of them in all of Baltimore Yearly Meeting. And um, were they
1: but were they were they embraced after this name change, or did they already exist? Yes, at recorded Yes, well,
0: I think it was after the name change. Okay, I'm not. I'm not positive, um, but. I know, I know that both of things occurred several years back. Okay. Um, but we, but like the standing travel minute thing, like I know there's a woman in my meeting, Jolie, who has one of those and she goes and visits, um, annual sessions for several different yearly meetings across the country. She mm-hmm. goes to the friends United meeting triennial and things like that. Um, because her, she has her, her minute says that she has a concern for travel among different branches of friends.
1: Okay.
0: Um, But this was a source of surprise when I was talking to a friend up in uh, um, West Hills Friends Church in Oregon. Um, Because, as we've mentioned before, there's another schism going on up there. Um, And they're trying to work out in the New Yearly meeting that will be forming, uh, how are they going to handle recording. And so this friend was asking, so... Uh, hey, what's it what do you guys do over in your yearly meeting? I was like, well, we renamed it, we don't have many. <laughs>
1: right. And it seems like it seems like in our in, in American society in general, there are, are a few repercussions uh when you formally ordain or record, as Quakers call it, but effectively amounts to the same thing. For legal purposes, there's several repercussions of this. One is that you are entitled to certain tax benefits, um, your housing uh uh can be shielded from taxes um you're allowed you're given hmm. you're given a housing allowance um you're also uh you're also allowed to uh to claim certain ministry expenses uh as tax exempt so so things things that you do related to the ministry both in your housing which is sort of a parsonage allowance if you don't have a parsonage then you can you can basically write off your housing expenses including furniture and, and other things Wow, and um, and also just ministry expenses. So, say you take a trip in the ministry, you can write that off for taxes. Um, but right, like, but you just,
0: which I suppose the, the the travel like the the writing off expenses on travel. That's like if you're, you know, I I um. Volunteer with an educational nonprofit, mm-hmm. and so if I'm going and teaching a class for this educational nonprofit, then I can deduct the mileage right. that I drive to get there.
1: And I've I've actually taken advantage of this myself. Um, I've I've been an, an acknowledged uh, released minister with uh, Friends of Jesus Fellowship, and um, I've written off I've written off a housing allowance on my taxes for the last several years. Um, so this is one repercussion of being being a, an acknowledged or recorded or an ordained minister. Um, there are other repercussions. One is that um to be a chaplain in a hospital setting or a nursing home setting, typically mm-hmm. you need to be an ordained minister by by a denomination. Um that's one of the requirements. Um so so in fact I know for a fact that a number of liberal Quaker meetings that normally do not record gifts have actually effectively recorded someone s- for the purposes of chaplaincy. Um okay. so that's that's one that's another thing. Um and uh The other thing uh, is—the other major repercussion of of formally ordaining uh, a minister in the United States is that um, to do prison ministry— recognize oh, yeah. recognize yeah, recognized ministers who have been ordained in, in 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 an official fashion have special privileges in visiting both at prisons and at hospitals um and, and an ordained minister at a hospital in particular an ordained minister with proper credentials can walk right into a hospital and go visit people whereas it would be more difficult for someone without those credentials and a similar thing in a, in a in a prison um you, it really helps to have credentials as as an ordained minister to visit people in prison.
0: Interesting. Um, so aside from legally, though, there's also socially, I have seen it pointed out by uh, one friend that when you go to conferences that are interdenominational when, or, or interfaith even as well, um, when... When you get a whole bunch of people who do ministry um, across other denominations or with other religions uh, all in a conference together, the assumption is usually that uh, any women who are there are the pastor's wives. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, there's there's always this assumption that, well, of course, the the, you know, the minister is a guy. And so when a woman shows up and says, well, I'm a minister, too, they get what? Really? Really? Unless they go. Here's my recording minutes. See, some... and so that being a, or, or but being able to say like, yeah, I'm recorded by this 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 meeting or whatever. That N- having the credential helps socially to be taken seriously. Yeah. And not not
1: not typically not typically so much of an issue within the Quaker community because there is a uh, there's a right. pretty strong tradition from the very beginning of the movement of women in ministry in the Quaker tradition um all the, all right
0: we are used to it but everybody else isn't used yeah, to
1: it <laughs> yeah and and i know i know that is an issue at, at sort of in, in, interdenominational gatherings that um it can be helpful um it can be helpful in those contexts to have credentialing and at the end of the day credentialing especially from a quaker perspective because quakers don't believe that any special sacerdotal powers that's a big fancy latinate word for um pre
0: I don't know what you pre- said
1: priestly <laughs> sacerdotal that's actually irs tax language but sacerdotal function um meaning you have a priestly function um quakers believe that all believers all followers of jesus have a sacerdotal function um and so in that sense um you know all of us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ are empowered, um, to, uh, if you want to put it in a, in a sort of, in a sort of high church way, we're all empowered to administer the sacraments. Um, and that's very, that's a very different conception, uh, from a lot of other traditions. Um, but, but that, but that's really, that's really something that's different about, I think the Quaker tradition of recognizing gifts of ministries. We are recognizing specific gifts, um, that are, that are, um, for example the gift the gift of of spirit-led preaching that we see regu- regularly um exhibited in a person the gift of of pastoral care and counseling uh the gift mm-hmm. of healing the gift of discernment the gift of of of, pro- of teaching. teaching very good example um but in terms of the basic gifts of 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 the sort of the sacramental ministry of making god's presence known and experienced that's we, believe in, we truly believe in the priesthood of all believers, which Protestants in general claim to believe in. But, but I think that uh, this is a place where I will actually, I, you know, I, th- I, think, I think if you've listened to the rest of our episodes, I'm, I'm fairly regularly critical of Quakers. I think Quakers have some problems. But I think a place where, where we're, we're pretty good, uh, where the Quaker, I shouldn't even say we, where the Quaker tradition is, is very good is in a recognition that um, the priesthood of all believers is real. We truly all all of us who follow Jesus, all of us who have embraced Jesus and, and, and walk in his spirit, we are all empowered to, um, as perhaps Roman Catholics or Eastern Orthodox might say, administer the sacraments. We can administer, we can, we, can, we can help to mediate God's covenant and to be vessels of God's presence and power in the world. We don't have to, we don't have to rely on a special set of, of designated people to do that.
0: Continuing the tradition of Micah weirds out all the non Christians listening.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I would hope I would hope that the non Christians listening would actually appreciate this because what I'm saying is there doesn't have to be a special there doesn't have to be a special person in a robe and a collar to to, right. to to give you a connection with God, but that all of us who have embraced who have embraced a relationship with God, and for me, you know, in my experience, that that way to God is through Jesus Christ. But all of us who imbra- have embraced this way to God can administer that relationship can be can be vessels of that relationship is not limited to some small set of people
0: mm-hmm. and actually so i i've said before that um so okay so there's a joke with ex-catholics of being like recovering catholic or recovered catholic and um i've said before that i know that i've that i fully recovered and you know thanks to quakerism because i'm not afraid of the people in collars anymore right uh, yeah, we got the priesthood of all believers. You're not special. Which is
1: such a strange <laughs> idea to me of being being afraid, being afraid of the priests or being afraid of the pastors. Like, for me, you know, I grew up I grew up in a Quaker household where my Quakers, my my, my parents were the pastors.
0: Right. I'm like, your dad's a pastor. You're not allowed to be right. afraid. Well, I guess I, you can. I, 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 could,
1: I could be afraid of the pastor if I wanted to. But that was never my experience of it. The And in fact, my parents weren't the only pastors. There was actually a whole pastoral team. Some of them paid and some of them volunteer um and there was never a relationship of fear it was a, it was a relationship of collaboration and experimentation and bringing a message uh that that the, mm-hmm. that that the group uh experienced from god uh but it was never it was never about sort of a power over it was always um a power with and a power from god so um just to sort of bring it back but, uh to to my parents and sort of my background both of my parents uh were, uh, uh, and in fact, I think still are, I think both of them still are recorded ministers, uh, in a Quaker yearly meeting. And, um, uh, that's, that's basically sort of the, that's the equivalent to ordination. Um, my, my parents were both pastors. Um, and, uh, they're still, they're still, you know, if, if my, if my father goes to visit someone in the hospital, um, he's got ministerial credentials, uh, that makes it easier for him to go visit people. Um, and and so, in in the pastoral Quaker tradition, um, recording often lines up pretty well with the idea of ordination in other denominations, which has some pluses and minuses. And the pluses, of course, are all the structural things. Where you know, since since my parents were designated in this way, it made them easy, it made it easy for them to do uh, chaplaincy visits in the hospital, it made them made it easier for them to visit the prison, and visit visit people in prison. Um, there are weaknesses too uh in the sense that uh by designating by, de- by 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 having a recording that is effectively ordination that is effectively a recognition of a pastoral role um there is a weakness in that it is possible to miss and to fail to recognize and support the gifts of those who are not called to a to a traditional pastoral role the
0: the bivocational folks you mean
1: I don't only mean the vocational folks. I mean, for example, um, uh, someone whose primary ministry is uh, working uh, for social justice that isn't directly, you know, it's not, it's not directly caring for uh, the church community like a pastor would typically do. Because, you know, you've got sort of the well, traditional okay, pastoral so, roles of, so. of, of preaching and teaching and shepherding the flock and visiting people in the hospital um and all those things and there's like sort of an, ex- an expected job description for a pastor but there are lots of very gifted ministers who for whom that is not actually the job description
0: well and then for among unprogrammed friends um well yeah we we'd actually split those up right um and say like because because there's well Conservative friends still call them elders and overseers. Um, my meeting, being in Baltimore Yearly Meeting, we don't use those words, um, and so we say the Ministry and Worship Committee. And if you look at their what you know what they're supposed to do, it matches really well to what the elders do in Ohio Yearly Meeting. And we have the Pastoral Care Committee, and that matches really well to the overseers. But so we have you know there are people who are recognized for um, their their gifts of pastoral care, um, but. They get, you know, there's a committee for that that just has that as its name. And, um, something people who are, um, you know, recognized as having gifts in nurturing the faith life of the meeting go into ministry and worship, which would be elders in Ohio.
1: Something I think is really cool in the Quaker tradition is that, um, in a lot of traditions, particularly the high church traditions, like the Roman Catholic or the Eastern Orthodox or the Episcopalian traditions, um, the different the different offices, so, you know, the sort of traditional offices uh, that you find, uh, that, that you can sort of extrapolate from the Bible, for better or for worse. I'm not sure this is a good idea, but that you can and that pretty much every denomination has in some way or another is uh, diaconos, deacon or minister. Um, Presbyter, or elder, uh, and uh, bishop or overseer, right? Those are those are sort of the three mm-hmm. the three roles that are mentioned in Paul's letters, um, and 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 so in different traditions they get interpreted differently. So in the Quaker tradition, diaconos is interpreted as minister, um, presbyter is interpreted as elder, and uh, over, and bishop is interpreted as overseer, um, and in and in the Quaker tradition, I think this is really cool. All of those, all three of those roles, I think there's still problems here, but but all three of the roles are considered as relational to one another, and as co-equal, mm-hmm. and as having a and, and as having a role each one and in instructing the other and in and building up the other, whereas in some traditions, as I say, the high church traditions in particular, they are set up in a hierarchy, where the, diaca- right. the diaconos, the minister, the deacon, is placed at the bottom of the hierarchy and has limited rights. The the presbyter, the elder, the priest, is put in the middle, in the second rung of the hierarchy, and has has more rights, and then the, the overseer, or the bishop, um, has the most rights and has the most power, and has the most authority in, in governing church affairs um, and I think something some you know there are strengths to that system and that, that perhaps there's more accountability, but dividing up the gifts that way for me from a Quaker perspective seems problematic and and although I think that the Quaker you know traditional Quaker system of dividing up the gifts has weaknesses i I like those weaknesses better than 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 the high church <laughs> model of setting them in a hierarchy and saying um, in effect uh the The sort of uh pastoral uh the pastoral or 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 um or eldering gifts have have uh, hierarchical authority over the prophetic ministry gifts that that seems more problematic to me
0: right yeah that makes sense and well and also i I believe that traditionally you can be recorded as more than one of the three among Quakers like if you have more than one gift, you get written down as more than one of them
1: that that can happen. Um I, I think I think that's that's uncommon and not consi- not considered really great practice. Okay. But it does happen and I've seen it happen, for example, in Ohio Yearly meeting.
0: Yeah, well I Okay, history nerd here. I'm pretty sure that um Elias Hicks was both a minister and an elder.
1: Well, that's how we got into this problem in the first place, Mackenzie.
0: <laughs> this this too many branches thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you if you just kept that Elias Hicks under control, we wouldn't be in this mess.
0: <laughs> well, if England hadn't sent all those traveling ministers, <laughs> don't don't even start blaming us on England. <laughs> <laughs> troublemakers. Yeah. Traveling. Troublemakers.
1: So so what so what is the difference at the end of the day between uh, Quaker recording and other denominations ordination, particularly other Protestants ordination, because there's an obvious difference. There's an obvious difference with the high church ordination, which is for like the Episcopalians, the Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox, to be ordained is to be allowed to practice the sacraments, right? But for many, many, not all, but for many uh, Protestant denominations, um, there's not this sort of magical power that seem to be You know It seem to be given To people who are ordained um,
0: there, It's it's not considered Miracle working not, When you do the communion it, Well
1: it, or, or at the very least It's not considered um, It's not considered Only something That an ordained person Could do
0: Right Well I would say that Actually one difference Is how it happens Because For us You know It's in um, Business meeting Which you know The whole community Or well depending on Depending on your yearly meeting That's either all the members Of the meeting Or that's can be all the members and regular attenders of the meeting, but that everybody's involved in recognizing um, and recording a gift. Whereas when you have, whereas like, you know, in the Catholic church you'd have, um, you know, the Bishop does the ordination of the priest. And, and so it's within the hierarchy and the people who are the parishioners aren't involved in that. And I'm pretty sure that in the Protestant tradition as well, it's not, you know, it's not a congregational meeting that determines um, whether somebody gets ordained. And also I think, I mean, you, you have with non-denominational churches in the Protestant tradition where somebody can just go and start a church and say, Hey, I'm the, I'm the pastor here. I'm the minister here without there being some other body that has authority.
1: Right now, just, just, just for, I don't know that I don't know that much about the process and procedure of of the um, of the high churches but I do have the impression that uh, in some circumstances perhaps in the in perhaps in the uh, recognition of a bishop that there is a role for the congregation to to sort of affirm the choice um, I don't know how much power the, the the lay people actually have in this whole process but i I do seem to remember that there there may there know. may be some role for the congregation in that just just to give them their due um
0: yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know if uh, I'm. I'm not sure about. I'm not sure about as far as the becoming a certain level, if that makes sense. But um, I. I would be surprised if the parishioners had no input at all on who got assigned to them by the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, priests will get shuffled around every few years. There's. It's almost like I know like you have uh buddhist nuns will get shuffled around every couple of years so they don't form too close attachment with well, they, the people wherever they are the methodists, and they, the methodists do that
1: same thing i think for the methodists maybe every two or three years they have to move i could be getting this wrong methodists are methodists you need to write in you need to tweet at us and let us know this is wrong <laughs> but i think it's like once every few years methodist ministers have to move around um But I
0: think, I mean, I remember, I remember, um, after, you know, we had a priest shuffling at my church when I was growing up, um, I I remember that the priests could file for an extension. So they could file to have a second term at the church, like at, at the parish they were in. Um, but like it was, you know, maximum of two terms type of deal. Like they have a term limit. Um, and I remember that our priest got a second term at our parish, um, and then, Shortly after that, the pastor died, and um the guy who was put in to replace him, nobody liked and the priest who had just said, "I really like this parish, and I want to stick around for another you know two, three years, whatever it is," then sent a letter back to the bishop, going, "Never mind, please move me mm. and all the nuns also asked to be moved. one of the nuns retired wow. it, it was bad
1: <laughs> yeah i think I think um in terms of in terms of sort of the ordination slash recording of pastors, whatever you want to call it, but this idea of like recognizing, I, I think the essential the essential difference um, historically between Quaker recording and or an ordination of pastors is the idea that the ministry isn't restricted to pastors. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something really important that in the in the Quaker in the evangelical Quaker church I grew up in, there were people. Who were or who were recorded as friends ministers who were not pastors uh, and I think that's something I think that's right. something that's being lost in much of the evangelical Quaker tradition, this idea that recording is not restricted to the pastors, and I think that 's something that we as Quakers and I hope the rest of the church too can claim this, but I think we as Quakers need to reclaim this idea that there are many gifts in the body, and we need to recognize and support these gifts and Many of these gifts are not connected necessarily with a role as 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 a, as, a, as a pastoral leader. And so, what do we do with that? There are different types of ministry. There are different types of leadership. There are different types of gifts. And how do we recognize and support those?
0: You you, hang on. There's a Bible quote that you just. Uh, let's see. First
1: Corinthians thirteen or First Corinthians twelve. No.
0: Not 13, Yep, yeah, 12, 12 might be it. Uh, now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits... To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Uh, And skipping down a bit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body.
1: Amen. And I I think that's a real gift of the Quaker tradition is saying that we do not limit our understanding of ministry to a particu- to a particular job description that is set out uh for a pastor, and that in fact ministry is bigger well first of all um the the traditional job description of a pastor is bigger than any one person can be good at uh the the tradi- the traditional mm-hmm. pastoral role uh realistically requires a huge variety of gifts that no one person realistically is going to have. And so so just to begin with, like when you're picking a pastor, you really have to pick, do I want an evangelist? Do I want a pastoral caregiver? Do I want a great preacher? Do I want someone who can teach really well and goes deep into the text? These are different gifts and and congregations have to pick. But even beyond that, I think the gift of the Quaker, one of the gifts of the Quaker tradition is a recognition that there are gifts that need to be recognized that never that never lend themselves to a formal pastoral role and yet are extremely important and without which the body is weak at best and 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 paralyzed at worst good way to put
0: it well uh i think we're going to call time at this point i think we've probably talked about this long enough um
1: yeah when we when when we first got started mckenzie's like yeah we'll probably need like 20 minutes for this i was thinking "Uh uh-uh yeah Yeah. Uh, (laughs) i didn't think so (laughs) yeah there's that
0: well, I was trying to get it to be short because you said you have a date night it's with your true. wife. So yeah. anyway, so let's get going so you can get on to your date with your wife. Um, and we will see you next time in two weeks with some topic I don't know. We'll figure it out by then. Bye. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> and tell your friends about the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play or whatever you like to use.
1: Or just tweet at or, or oh, or- us and let us know what you liked or didn't like because we... we
0: comment yeah, on the blog we, that we, too. Love, we
1: love getting feedback and connecting with you and knowing where we should go next because if you've been listening to the other episodes again we respond to feedback and we actually we actually set up our episodes based on what people want to hear
0: yeah oh and if you don't give us any feedback then we're going to dive back into the book so although we did have one person say i can't wait to get back in the book oh, okay that's, <laughs> so that's that. valuable feedback <laughs> all right anyway all right. over now. out Find us on the web at QuakerPodcast.org, on Twitter as Quaker Faith, on Facebook and on iTunes.